all of this will end quickly. We'll all be back together again. We're going to be planning a big celebration. Opening day, man, we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to do everything we can to make it a day where we worship and honor God. And man, I'm believing we'll pack the house out on that day. A couple of things I want to do. I want to encourage you and thank you for those of you who are online during the week. We're doing what we can to run online Zoom, small groups, and Bible studies. We're doing a daily kind of devotion and different pastors. I appreciate Pastor Cameron and Pastor Richard, Pastor Gary. Uh, Pastor Gary got on there and actually did the thing where he, uh, he's back there, went on and did a devotion with his piano. He brought us some worship this last week. Thank you for that, Gary. It's awesome. So we're doing our best to stay in touch with you, so you stay in touch with us. You write, you make comments, send us prayer requests, let us know how we can be serving you during this time of lockdown. And that, by the way, is the title of the message this morning, Lessons in Lockdown. As I was asking God, Lord, what, what do you want me to speak about? What, what are you saying to the church right now? You know, there's lots of words. There's a lot of people out there that's got a lot of ideas, and a lot of thoughts. And I believe the Lord is speaking to a lot of men and women of God about what's going on, which leads me to one important statement. That means we know God is right here with us. He's with us. We don't have to fear or wonder where's God spoke about that a little bit last week this week I want to talk about what do we do during this time of occupying what do we do during this time when we're locked down and what are the lessons for us as a body of Christ so much that we can glean and get from whatever God is doing he always takes whatever's happening in our lives and he uses it for good I believe that and I know that we read the scripture last Sunday, Romans 8 and 28, for we know, for we know, for we know that all things work together for the good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. So we know God's in this. We're believing that he's going to continue to touch us, transform us, and send last day's outpouring revival to the church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Malachi in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, and then Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 through 31. These are two passages of scriptures that normally wouldn't go together in a message, but they are today because these were the two words that the Lord has spoken to me about this morning's online worship experience. Two words, two, two instructions. The first one was, Wait in the waiting what do we do while we're waiting the second word that the Lord spoke to me was actually two words together but it means one thing the Lord spoke to me refiners fire refiners fire the word wait and refiners fire so these two words are what we're going to speak about in this time that we have together this morning. Beginning with Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. Listen to what the word of God says. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 
But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Now let's jump to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. I did a devotion on this this last week. But in an entirely different way, the Lord spoke to me about it this morning. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But... Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. These two words, in the waiting and in the fire, God's going to do a beautiful and perfect work on his church. That's you and me. Remember, being inside this building... We're not at church and you're not. You are the church. We, wherever we are, wherever we go, we are the body of Christ. So in this empty building, the church is tuned in. And while the church may have left the building, the presence of God is all through the hearts of his followers and believers. So let's look to the word today and let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings now on the word as it goes forward. I pray that I would get out of the way, that your word would come forth as powerful, that it would touch us and give us sustenance and strength for the day and for the hour, that we would know, God, what do we do during lockdown? How do we move forward? And what do we do during this time of waiting? Lord, as we submit ourselves to the fire of God, how how do we properly worship and honor and praise you during trials and troubles that face us. Lead us and guide us and give us your word today. Challenge us by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two words. Waiting and the refiner's fire. These are lessons in lockdown. What do we do during this time when when we're in lockdown? I call it that when we've got a stay-at-home order. But during this time when it, social distancing and, you know, we're walking in our neighborhoods, but we're keeping our distance. We're seeing friends, but we're keeping that six feet uh, away from one another. How do we get through this time when people are locked up in their homes and they're not going anywhere? I'm sure, as I mentioned in the prayer earlier, it gets a little tough, especially if you've got a big family and you're there in the house and you've been there day after day after day after night after night. You can imagine the stir-crazy that's going on. You can imagine the life on the edge that some of us are living. But what do we do as Christians? How do we respond during this difficult time? What can we understand about the character, the nature of God, from the scriptures that we've read here.
here this morning. Verse 3, Malachi, he will sit as a refiner. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. God is going to help us through through the difficult hour and the difficult time that we're in. When he spoke to me about this service, he just gave me those words and he spoke refiner's fire to me and for days I had to literally just think about it, pray about it and do a little bit of study, you know, finding the scriptures on that. What, Lord, what are you saying about refiner's fire? Well, I went and I looked into some articles online about what does the silversmith do in the refining of silver? And there was a story about a woman who went to visit a silversmith and he had uh, a job to do and so she wanted to watch him as he refined the silver he held a piece of silver over the fire and when the purifying was going on he had to hold the silver really close and into the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest in order to burn away all of the impurities of that silver and the silversmith must sit there in front of that fire and in front of the silver the whole time the silver's being refined he can't leave it for a moment for if he does the silver can stay in the fire too long and it'll be destroyed he's got to stay until it's purified until it's refined the woman asked the question of him she said well how can we possibly know when the silver is finished when it's purified how do you know the silversmith looked at her and smiled and he said oh that's easy when I can see my image in the silver it's done. And as I thought about that, that's where I stopped. I didn't need to go any further because I knew exactly what the Lord was trying to speak to me in order to get through to you. The refiner's fire, this time of isolation, this time where we are, you know, doing a new normal. Life is different than it used to be. We've been talking about how God is always working together for our good how he's getting his church ready for his coming. Well, I believe that he genuinely is. I believe that as we understand it, God is doing something in the midst of all that's going on. He's allowed all of this to take place. But God always has a plan and a purpose whenever he allows anything. And it always works together for the good to those who love him. An instruction to husbands in the word of God teaches us a little bit about his love for the church. Jesus' love. For the church, you say, how does an instruction to husbands talk about the love Jesus has for his church? Well, listen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Listen to what it says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I feel like what the Lord is showing us about the refiner's fire with this word today is that he is getting us to the place where the impurities are going to be burnt out of us, where a work is going to be done on the inside of us. God is I believe, done with competing with the world. I think he's done with competing with the things that that this world is is trying to take away from the confidence and the faith of followers of Christ in their hearts. 
He will not complete, compete with the world any longer. The clubs, the church clubs, they'll just go on like they always have. But the true church, I'm talking about the church that he set up in Matthew chapter 16 when Peter jumped up and said, thou art the Christ. I'm talking about the real church. When that church... When that church stands before the Lord, he will refine her in purity. He will touch her and restore her, regenerate her, and totally reconcile her in a way that causes her to be without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish. God is up to something and doing something in all of our hearts. He's doing something in the church. And this is one of the things why I believe he's speaking to us about the fire, and then the waiting, the enduring, the time of occupation when we are allowing the work of God to be accomplished and done in our lives. Someone sent me this text a few days ago, and I wanted to read it to you because it, it seemed to have some, some eloquence and yet at the same time some truth that, that, that touches my own heart, and I wanted to touch yours. They said God has allowed everything that we worship to be stripped away. God said, you want to worship athletes? Well, I'll shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? Well, I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down the theaters. You want to worship money? I'll shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? Other things more important? I'll make it to where you can't go to church. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival. Now, I don't know what all the plans and purposes behind everything that's going on in the world today is. Theologically, we understand what the word teaches and we're following prophetic events closely even now more than ever. But ultimately, it comes back to, could it be that God is just stripping away from us all the things that compete with his church? Could it be that God is tired of competing with the world? Could it be that he's trying to get our attention, that he wants us to understand that He's more important and relationship with him is more vital and essential than any other relationship you have on this earth. More important than the breath that we breathe, the job that we have, the house we live in, the families we love, more important than even them. Maybe God will then be able to take his rightful place back on the throne of our hearts as we truly give ourselves Back to him. Allow him to restore his church, to regenerate his church, and to refine his church. Lord, I have been praying this same prayer since the Lord has been dealing with me on this subject all week long. In my personal prayer times, I've been saying, God, burn out of me. Let the impurities be taken out. Lord, remove the distractions. Remove the things that cause me to be lax or complacent or cold and indifferent. Remove the loves that I have in this life that take precedence over my love for you. God, touch my life. Bring a personal revival into my life, 
in such a way that it changes the atmosphere everywhere that I go. That I can be one who makes a difference in the lives of others simply because of my relationship with you. God, touch me, purify me. This desire of mine has led me to go into deep fasting. I've been fasting for the last couple of weeks. I've been praying in my prayer closet. I've been walking. While I pray, I've been seeking the face of God, reading more of his word than I ever have before. I consider it my responsibility to continue to touch the lives of people. We're making phone calls. We're touching you in social media ways, trying our best to continue to minister as good as we can. I'm still going to hospitals and laying my hands on the building, anointing them and praying over them if you're inside. And thank you, so many doctors and nurses have been requesting that I come to their hospitals and that I pray over their places of employment because they're going through the same stress as the patients. We're doing our best to continue, but at the same time, I feel it's also my responsibility to be more on my knees and more on my face than I've ever been before. To know what it is to hear and listen closely to the voice of the Lord during static and confusing hours and times. I listen to the daily updates from the government, from our state, and from our church, and they're important, and we need to listen closely to their advice and to the things that they're informing us and telling us of. But I want to hear from God. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. He said, my people, my sheep will know my voice, and another they won't follow. There are lots of voices during this season and time. Lots of people with ideas, opinions, even religious, theological ideas. People that want to tell me how to pastor the church or tell our pastors how to run the business. Let me clue you in on something. We are called of God to listen to one voice, one audience, and that is the Lord. And as you trust us, we give ourselves wholly, completely to Him He will, like a maze, lead us through this difficult hour. It's about hearing the voice of God again. I like to think we were doing well, but I think the church, the church at large, needs a revival. The church at large needs to understand and know the power of God again, as in the former days. I'm tired of hearing stories about the way it used to be. I'm tired that when there's a miracle or a sign or a wonder, sometimes we're so shocked. We spend a lot of time celebrating those one or two miracles or signs or wonders, but I want it to be, Lord, my prayer that we have those on a normal basis, that they belong to the body of Christ, that it's regular, it's the norm. Asking God to touch us while we wait. That he remove our desire for earthly things. As I mentioned earlier, maybe you've noticed you're a little on edge. Maybe people in the household, it's getting a little tough. Maybe attitudes need adjustments. You've watched Netflix until you don't even want to see Netflix anymore. You've watched TV until you're done with it. You've played video games until it doesn't hold any weight with you any longer. It's stealing and wasting your time so you get out and you start to take walks and you start to get out in the neighborhood and do something else go out on the back deck or out in the yard or do something else trying to do something productive lockdown can be tough 
feel like you might be at a breaking point, the word for us is wait. Wait on the Lord. God is using this time. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be a returning to Jesus. Those who took God's house for granted, they'll be here early on opening day. Those who allowed so many different things to get in their their path and keep them distracted from their faith and confidence in God, they're going to get back to studying His Word. They're going to get back to the faith that they've forgotten. They're going to be drawn back to Him. Prodigals are going to make their way home. The power of God is going to overshadow the powerless, complacent church of today. And there's going to be a breakthrough. I believe our people are going to get back to praying. I believe we're going to get back to fasting. We're going to get back to the precious word of God, back to the book, back to this. This is more valuable and important to us than any doctor, than any psychiatrist, than any article on Google. This is way more important to how you live your life. It's time to get back to the basics, to truly understand what is God saying to us. Miracles, signs, and wonders will be the norm in church. That's my cry and my prayer that we don't waste this time, this time of isolation, this time of what I'm calling the time of the prayer closet. Time to be in our prayer closet. The refiner is purifying his church. He's purifying you and I. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. It's important, church, that you and I realize that all that God really wants in all of this is that we would look more like His Son. That we would, during this time of occupation, during this time when we're laying low, during this time of lockdown, the lessons for us are to wait to allow the refiner's fire to do a work in us. Don't waste this hour. Don't waste these days. Don't just sleep on the couch. Get up early every day. Find a way to get into the presence of God. Find his word to be rich and true. Fast, push the plate away a few days and get back to an understanding and knowing of what sacrifice and surrender is all about. This is what God is wanting for us because in that process, the product, the result is going to be us looking, acting, being much more like his son. It's important for us to know He's purifying and getting his church ready. It comes through surrendering our lives. It comes through allowing the process of God. Romans 8 and 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. God is wanting to do a work. God needs to do a work. There's never been an hour where I've seen the church be in such need how could it be we talk on one hand oh the coming of the Lord is nigh we're living in the last days this surely must be the time of the rapture surely the antichrist is getting set up we talk about the days and the years of tribulation and we debate and we talk about all those things and yet at the same time the church has never been more complacent never been more quiet never been more silent and even more afraid It's time for us to truly allow the refiner's fire to purify us. 
to remove every impurity, to take away those things that cause us to be weak. It's time for us to walk in the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's time for us to walk in the sanctification of a holy life. It's time for us to push back the things of the world that distract us and move into the place, the shadow of the Almighty, the secret place. It's time for us to seek the face of the Lord. So we're waiting. We're waiting. I remember when I took a trip to Australia, most people who know me know Australia is one of my favorite places on earth. I was in on a tour and we were being taken up on this ridge and the, the, tour, the tour guide, he, he said, I'm going to take you guys where I don't take normally many other people. I want you to see something. He took us up on this ridge and we left the dirt road and we were traveling up this hill and I was actually getting a little uh, concerned because it seemed like maybe we were going to be a movie of the week one day in the future because this guy seemed to uh, be taking us to nowhere land and so I didn't know what was going on until we got to the top of this ridge where this entire ridge was completely charred and blackened from a fire and as I got out and I looked my first thought was well, this Aussie's gone nuts. Why is he taking us to the top of this mountain to see this ridge completely burnt, charred black? And then he began to explain. He said, you see, this ridge, this whole mountainside, charred and blackened. He said, this ridge has been waiting on this fire for eight years. And I said, waiting on the fire. He said, yes, sir. He said, you see, this is the Banksia tree. He said, you see those pods hanging off the tree? And there were these beautiful pods. I was going to bring one, but I left it in my office. This pod was hanging off these trees. And they were charred black, and they were hanging off all the trees. There were many on every tree. But they were hard as rock except that the blackened char from the fire had cracked them open. And he said, go ahead, go over and look inside one of those pods. And I worked my way down one of the ridges and I got up close to the tree, the charred blackened tree, and I found that, that pod and I looked down inside and couldn't believe what I saw. There were bright neon yellow and orange and green beautiful thousands of these colorful seeds that were filling this pod. And the wind was taking them and blowing them from those pods out onto the ridge. And the man looked at me, he wasn't necessarily a religious man, but he looked at me and he said, this ridge, these trees, this mountain has been waiting on the fire for eight years he said, because you see, the banksia tree can't reproduce until the pod is cracked open with fire. And I sat and I looked. And I couldn't believe my eyes as the Lord began to speak to my spirit. And he said, that's your message for the Sunday that I returned from Australia. And I preached that message about waiting on the fire. Waiting on the fire. That entire ridge 
had eight years, there had not been one plant, one tree. Nothing had reproduced itself, but it was the fire that came along that cracked open those pods, that gave those seeds the freedom they needed to populate that entire ridge. He said that because of this fire, now this ridge would be multiplied over 10,000 times. Unbelievable. To understand and know that truth, we've got to go back to the scripture we read, the refiner's fire, the purifying of our hearts and lives before God. I don't know how this is all going to finish. I don't know what's going to happen next week. But I do know this. I know that as I trust in God and I lean hard upon his word and I don't detour and don't allow distractions, I believe the fire is going to purify and crack open my heart and my life, your heart, your life, and bring a revival into your life, into your sphere of influence that is going to change the ridge, that's going to change the mountain, that's going to change the world around you as we allow the fire of God and we wait patiently for it. We've got to know that that's the last part of this. That's what I want to get across to you is not only do we welcome the fire, not only do we anticipate and know that the fire is good, even though it hurts, even though it burns, even though it's hard, we know that inside of that work is a refining, a purifying, and a reproducing. It's going to touch and change not only our own lives, but every life around us. That's what the gospel does. Through the death of one, many are saved. Through Jesus Christ going to the cross, we know in that suffering, there's redemption. In that suffering, there's healing. In that work, there is many millions of people who will be saved for all of eternity. God doesn't always work like we think he should. He doesn't always work in the ways that we think he should. But God's ways are always, always, always correct. They're always right. So we trust in him. Everything that you and I go through, it works a purpose if we've given ourselves to him. So wait. Wait. Let the fire do its work. Let this time of suffering do its greatest work in you. As I said earlier, don't waste these days. There's nothing worse than a follower, a believer of Christ, who will do nothing during this time of isolation, this time of lockdown, but, do, but sit on the couch and play video games and wear your movies out and, and do nothing productive or powerful for the kingdom or for your community. Don't let it be a time where you don't reach out and the Bible says to love the Lord with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul and strength. It also says to love your neighbor as yourself. This is a time when we reach out, we do what we can. You say, well, I'm in isolation. I can't really get close. Let me tell you, there are creative ways to serve. There are creative ways to still minister and touch the lives of people who who are hurting, you can do more during this season than you are dreaming about or you think you can if you'll trust in the Holy Spirit inside you to do the work. Let him speak through you and in you and out of you. Let this not be a time that's wasted. Don't let it be a time where 
you, you allow distractions and things to, to mess you up, to mess up your family. Don't let it be a time where we get cold and indifferent. Don't let it be a time where we get lazy. They say 21 days is a, is a habit. And I was talking to our pastors earlier. I said, people are getting into the habit of not coming to church. We've got to pray and believe and know that God is going to be putting within their hearts that desire, that hunger, and that thirst for the presence of the Lord. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, even though more so as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So that's why we're online with our videos. That's why we're sending devotions. That's why Pastor Cameron is creating wonderful ways, different kinds of ways to hold a service. It's this idea that we keep in front of our people are the sheep of God, the followers of the Lord. We keep in front of them the hunger and the desire for the presence of Almighty God. As we desire and move close, he says, he'll fill us, he'll touch us, he'll keep us. We need God. We can't get cold during this time. We can't get indifferent during this time. And I know that you're not. I know that you're hungry. I know that you're thirsty. I know that by the texts and the messages and the emails and the phone calls. I know our people are wanting touch. They're wanting that feeling, that sense of community. They're wanting us as a body of Christ to be unified. That's the spirit of God inside you. It's a desire. It's a hunger. And he says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we have to be diligent. During lockdown, we got to be intentional. We've got to work hard to stay focused on the things that grow us. Don't let it be said that during this time of lockdown, you became lazy. You became indifferent. You became cold to your faith, lukewarm. Let it be a time where you build strength inside, where you allow the work of God to touch your life and others outside of you ways that will astonish you in the kingdom of God forever. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded the disciples not to depart, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me, waiting, waiting. I'm the guy who says, Lord, give me patience, but I need it now. I don't like to wait. One of my favorite Spanish phrases, a lot of people laugh at me, but I say it with gusto and power. I'll say, yo no tengo la paciencia. That means I have no patience. I am that guy. When I'm hungry, I want to eat. I don't like to wait in lines. I don't like to wait on tests. I don't like red lights. I like green lights. I don't like waiting rooms at the doctor, the dentist, the driver's license bureau. Are you kidding me? I don't like going into Walmart with 25 registers closed and only one register open and a line going back to the electronics. I don't like it and I'm preaching now. I really don't know anyone who enjoys waiting. We live in a world of frozen foods, Keurig coffee cups, powdered orange juice, digital cameras, cliff notes, smart roads, expressways, fast passes, cell phones, and instant downloads. Few of us like to wait. The Lord wants us to understand something. He doesn't work like us. He doesn't think like us. There's power in waiting. 
there's power in waiting. And God wants us to understand that he works on a different timetable than we do. God uses waiting in our lives as a good thing. It takes us away from our distractions. It takes us away from those things that cause us to be weak. He wants to empower us, and sometimes that comes through waiting. Waiting on God. When we wait on God and will not be satisfied to our own decisions, our own choices, doing it our own way, waiting causes us to become dependent on God. So many of us, we're able to fix our own issues, fix our own problems, take the challenge and make it happen, but it doesn't mean it's always the right answer or the right thing that we've done. It's important that we wait on the Lord. Psalm 27 and 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Isaiah 64 and 4, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor is the eye seen any God beside you who acts for the one who waits for him. Psalm 37 and 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Isaiah 30 and 18, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. And then our text, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting takes you to a deeper level. Waiting takes you to a higher mountain. There's purpose in our waiting. So we don't panic. That's not our response. We don't get lazy. That's not our response. During this season, I'm challenging you, Stratford Heights, and friends all over the world, challenging you during this time of isolation, when it's quieter, there's not so many trips and not so many busy schedules, not so many activities on the calendar. Let this be a time where you allow the Lord to renew your strength, to touch you, to minister to your heart and your life. What if he's using all of this to get your attention? What if he wants your What if he's not happy with the, the way that you guys communicate, with the way that your relationship is going? What if the Lord misses you? What if all of this is because he misses his church? My heart's cry and desire is that the purpose of God. You see, I don't doubt. Somebody says, where's God? He's right where he's always been. Someone says, Pastor, aren't you afraid? Don't you wonder what's going on? If God's God and on the throne, where is he? I don't even doubt that. Don't even question that. He woke me up this morning, felt his presence right there by my bedside, and I knew that I belonged to him. I was listening to a song in my worship time early, early this morning, and I sensed the presence of God as the Lord spoke into my heart in just the words of the song. He spoke them back to me and he said, that's how I feel about you, Ray. I don't doubt. I don't doubt God at all. But what I'm desperate for 
So Lord, what's your purpose? What's your plan? What are you doing? And during this time, I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to the things the way they were. I don't want to go back to the usual. Somebody says, I can't wait till things get back to normal. Not me. Not me. I'm embracing a new normal. I'm embracing a a new way of living. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to allow his refining fire to purify me and to remove all the things that distract me cause me to be weakened. I don't want to get my eyes on the things of this life. I don't want all the amusements of the world. Oh, it used to be back in the day that we preached an awful lot about holy living. God is still holy. He hasn't changed. He wants us to understand His power in our hearts and lives, and He wants us to get ready for heaven. Do you know, heaven is a pure place. Psalm 24 Verse 14, what does it say? Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those with a pure heart, clean hands. We're all about cleaning hands these days, aren't we? Pure heart, clean hands. Church, it's time for us to wash. It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to come back to our first love. Do you remember? Do you remember the night, the day that you got saved? Do you remember what it was when heaven came down, touched your soul, transformed you? I laid awake all night long the night I got saved, July 2nd, 1981. I laid awake staring at the ceiling with tears dripping down my face. And I thanked him all night long. Take me back, Lord. Take me back to my first love. I want to wait on you. I want to wait as long as it takes. You say, how long will you wait on the Lord? Forever. Forever. I'll never stop waiting. I'll never stop looking to the hills from where comes my help. I'll never stop worshiping. I'll never stop loving. And now, as we pray for the days when things settle down, as far as this virus goes, I'm not looking for an old normal. I'm looking for a new normal. One that includes signs and wonders and miracles. One that includes answers to prayers one that sees revival, one that sees the moving of the Holy Spirit in services like we've never seen before. I don't want an old tent revival from 1950 to be what we think about or we talk about when we talk about a move of God. I want to talk about this Sunday at Stratford Heights Church of God. I want to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost at work right there in your house today, this hour. I want to do something amazing in you right now as we get ready to pray. We're going to land this plane. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to ask the Lord to be with us, to touch you right where you are, to shake us up, to bring a shifting, a breakthrough, whatever it is the current song is that we love to sing. I want the power of God. There you go. Power of God. It's going to be worth it. Let me tell you, it's going to be worth it. 
when we step in to the gates of glory, when we behold the throne of God, when we are marching down that heavenly street, it's going to be worth it all. So don't give in, don't give up, don't lay down, don't get lazy, get on fire. We need the fire. We need to wait on God. His perfect work will be done in you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to pray with you. I want to pray if you're there and, and you're watching and you're like, you know what, Pastor Ray, I, I don't have a right relationship with God. And we're going to pray that prayer. Jesus already did all the hard work. He died on the cross for you. He purchased your salvation with his blood, his suffering. He wants to change your life. Pray this prayer with us right now. If you need Jesus in your heart, you say, is it just that simple? Yeah, it is. It's not the words though. It's the intent of the heart. Pray this prayer from your heart. And God says, his word declares, if a man, if a woman believes in their heart, he is the son of God that he is who he said he is you're ready to confess him with your life then you're saved so we're going to pray that prayer and then we're going to pray one last prayer for all of you all of us together who are watching let's pray dear Lord Jesus come into my heart forgive me of my sins I accept you as my savior my Lord Lord I believe you are the son of God that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead. I believe that you rose from the dead and walked out of that tomb. You did all of that for me. You purchased my salvation. So I accept you in my life. Believe, believe with all of my heart. And now, Lord, I ask you to be Lord over my life. Strengthen me every day until you come for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Congratulations. You are now part of the body of Christ, the family of God. There on the screen in front of you is a number. Would you mind taking a minute to text that number? Let us know. Just right in the body there, set free. And it's going to be information that will help us to help you to get started in your new walk with Jesus. And now, church, as we get ready, they're going to get ready to sing. As they do, talking about a chain breaker. I'm praying over your family. Man, I miss you so much. We can't wait until we're all back together again. But until then, the church will not be weak. It will not be lazy. We are going to move in the fire of God, waiting on Him to do a mighty work in us. Now, right there, in, your, in that house, right where you are, I'm believing God, by His Holy Spirit, is going to touch every one of you. As a matter of fact, it's your family. Why don't you reach over and make a contact with them right now? Just find some way to minister to one another. And let's pray together right now. Would you help me? Let's pray together. Lord, as we come together as a family of believers, I'm praying for the Holy Ghost to touch in houses right now. Maybe a son or a daughter will be filled with the Holy Spirit right where they are in that living room or in that dining room. I'm asking you to touch them right now by the power of your spirit. Lord, we declare your word over our lives. We know we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ.
Christ and protect it. Protect our elderly. Protect our families. Protect our young people and our babies. Minister to them, God, and keep your hand on them. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them and pronounce, God, a a, a prayer of power against this COVID-19 threat and against this virus. We, We denounce it and call it out, Lord, and rebuke the enemy of infirmity in the name of Jesus Christ. Protect our people. Be with them now, God, and touch them for a great week. Minister to every need of their lives as we love you, glorify you, and praise you. We give you all the thanks. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody together, hundreds of you, thousands of you, right where you are, said amen. Say it again. Amen. That means it's done. It's settled in the heavens and on earth. God bless you. Worship with these guys as we go out. Love you. We'll see you this week.